Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna. Alongside me, as always, is fellow Pennsburg writer Robbie Noggle. And this week, Robbie, we have the pleasure to be joined by the lead singer of one of Pittsburgh's more recognizable indie emo pop bands of the early 2000s. He is the lead singer of the Juliana Theory. He is Brett Detter. Brett, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come join us on the Pennsburg podcast and come talk some some Penguins hockey with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. All right. Well, Robbie, Robbie knows how this ship typically operates. And Brett, for coming on the podcast, uh, I'll give you a rundown as well. Uh, we're going to look back at the last couple of games that the Penguins have played. Not a whole lot of action to talk about regarding the Penguins' recent stretch of play. They did have quite a quite a bit of a break in between the last couple of games that they have played, but a bit of action to talk about nonetheless. Uh, we'll talk about, we'll start with the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs from October 23rd, uh, a game in which the Penguins won by a score of 7-1. to one. Uh, This was really a game that I was incredibly impressed by with the Penguins' effort, considering that they lacked Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Uh, Jeff Carter was in COVID protocol. Chris Letang was in COVID protocol. Uh, the Penguins really got contributions from the likes of Evan Rodriguez having a goal and an assist. Drew O'Connor gets two goals. Brian Boyle gets on the score sheet as well. Jason Zucker gets a goal to his name. And having the Penguins go up against a very, very high-powered Toronto Maple Leafs uh, squad with so much firepower that they have in Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, Nylander, and Mitch Marner. Having the Penguins score seven on the Maple Leafs had to do nothing but boost their confidence. 
Brett, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game, Brett, but at least on the surface, seeing the Penguins score uh, score seven goals in a single game has to be uh, pretty exciting. And with the Penguins this game, they took their record to 3-0-2. Brett, getting the contributions from these players without having Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and all the other players I mentioned, uh, as a Penguins fan who may be listening to this or from yourself looking at it from the outside looking in, this has to be an incredibly impressive performance. Ironically, it's, it's, it's funny that I live in L.A. these days, but we, the band, has been on our first tour in a very long time. And ironically, we were playing Mr. Smalls in Pittsburgh while this show was happening or while that game was happening. And I was literally asking, <laughs> I was asking for updates from the microphone a couple of times in between songs, because when I, uh, you know, stepped on stage, I, I think it was like five to one. And then, you know, I asked, so he's like, oh, it's seven to one now. So I did not get to see it because I was working, but yeah, it's especially, it's especially encouraging to see, to see the team score seven goals when, you know, like you said, as many of our star players are missing as there are. And when you're getting contributions from new guys and, and guys, you know, that aren't necessarily marquee names this early on in the season, that's always something that, you know, is, is something you can be encouraged by. That's the sign to me. That's the sign of a true Pittsburgher at heart. Even while you're performing, getting the score updates while you're on stage, uh, it's one thing that I can firmly say about being a Pittsburgher as well. No matter where you are, like you said, whether you're living in LA or performing at Mr. Smalls, wherever you are in the world, it's important to get those score updates. Whether the Steelers are playing, Penguins are playing, the Pirates, whatever. But I, I love it. That's when that, that that's how you know it's the mark of a true Pittsburgher. <laughs> the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and this was a game that the Penguins really kind of fell back down to earth. Uh, the Penguins were lucky, and really, I don't know if you'd call it luck. Maybe you'd call it the better of the being the better of two teams when the Penguins met the Tampa Bay Lightning on opening night with all of the pomp and circumstance of the Tampa Bay Lightning raising the Stanley Cup banner at, uh, at in their own in their own arena. All of the pomp and circumstance, the Penguins leave that game as the victors winning 6-2. to two. The Tampa Bay Lightning come to Pittsburgh a couple of weeks later, and they basically show that they're still the defending Stanley Cup champions. There was, uh, there was a little bit of a stretch there in the second period where Braden Point, Andre Pallott, and Ryan McDonough get three consecutive goals for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second period. Mikhail Sergachev gets a goal in the third period. Jason Zucker gets a consolation goal on the power play to make it 4-1 Pittsburgh or 4-1 Tampa Bay, excuse me. And Alex Kalorn gets an empty netter. The final score of this game was 5-1 Tampa Bay. And like I said at the start, uh, the, the the wind came out of the sails a little bit. You kind of had to expect that even without all of the star players that the Penguins were missing, that even if they were on a roll, they were going to come crashing down to earth a little bit. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you, and we can get some of your thoughts on what you saw from the Penguins and Lightning from October 26th. I think this is how this game was played out, exactly how we all thought that season opener would in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay going, their big guns showing up, and lighting up the scoreboard. And this is perhaps the kind of game we expected the Penguins to have at some point. 
they had the big wins early in the season without uh, your Crosby's, your Malkins, and Carter Latang. And eventually, at some point, they were going to come back to earth. At, at some, it was just there was too much missing. There was too much of guys playing above their own their own heads there. And while that's nice, and the Penguins need those kind of games and those performances, this was always going to be re- a reality at some point. And it just kind of showed up on Tuesday night against Tampa Bay. And there's nothing you can really be super disappointed about because of all the circumstances surrounding the team and how they were playing coming in into that game with three wins and then two overtime losses. So points in all five of the uh, first five games of the season. So it's hard to be too disappointed, but I mean, at the same time you had how much do things change if that goal wasn't waved off uh, or the correct calls made on that goal, which the refs submitted uh, to Mike Sullivan was the incorrect call. How much that changes the game. Uh, But at the same time, Tampa is the two time defending Stanley cup champions. They are one of the favorites to do it again. And, the Penguins already got a win over them on the road this season. So and while it is disappointing and not the result you ever want to see, it kind of makes sense when you take into account uh, what the two teams are fielding and uh, the Penguins kind of regressing to the mean uh, a little bit without Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carter. Uh, just too much on the shelf right now. And hopefully here in the next uh, couple games that starts to reverse itself. We know that uh, Carter and Latang will eventually be out of the COVID protocols, and it's looking like Crosby is within days of making his return to the lineup. He won't be there tonight against Calgary, but it looks like it's a matter of uh, when, not uh, not if, uh, Crosby shows up here uh, in the next maybe Saturday or maybe often another extended break that they have at the beginning of next week. So uh, we know that 87 is coming back soon. Carter's Carter and Latang will both be out of protocol soon, and hopefully this game is just a blip on the radar um, going forward. Well, we will certainly keep the listeners and the readers posted. You can catch any breaking news over at pensburg.com, but uh, we're going to switch gears now, and it's been a while since the Pensburg podcast has had uh, has had a guest of any kind. So, Brett, I'm going to switch the switch the table back over to you, and I, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions uh, as you take center stage here for this section of the podcast. And uh, so, here we'll start off here with my first question I have for you. I know you're a native Pittsburgher, and uh, this is obviously uh, a Pittsburgh Penguins centric podcast. I'm curious uh, how long. Have you been a Penguins fan? And really, what made you start following the team? I have been a fan fairly religiously since 1988. I was very, very young at that age. And I'm not exactly sure how I was introduced to watching my first game on TV, but somehow I caught word of this Mario Lemieux character and I was like I just immediately became a fan of you know what he was doing and I wasn't even really that big of a sports person growing up you know I would I would go to Pirates games with my dad or whatever but I I never really felt like I necessarily cared about sports that much or had a, a crazy passion for it until basically I started watching Lemieux do things. And I was so young that I, I barely understood exactly what was happening at first, but I just remember 
he had this magnetism in just his natural skill and things he was doing on the ice that I was just like, this guy's awesome. And that I just kind of started, you know, watching games and trying to go to games anytime that I could just um, sometime basically starting in way back in 88. To my knowledge, you uh, you did you do have some experience, at least either either recreationally or uh, in some form or fashion. Uh, it is to my knowledge that you did play some hockey as a kid growing up, and pit, pit, hockey has really become a sport that has blossomed here in the Pittsburgh region over the last thirty five years or so. Is it going back to your your answer regarding Mario Lemieux? Was that was that something? Was that a driving factor to you? Uh, to you saying, hey, look at what Mario Lemieux is doing on the ice. Is that something that you, you looked at yourself and you thought, I want to do what this guy is doing. I want to see if I can emulate whatever this guy is doing on the ice. I think I probably knew innately that there was no um, chance that I could <laughs> emulate much of anything <laughs> that he was doing. However, it's it's interesting, I guess, when I was, I think I was probably about, I might have been, yeah, probably 12 or 13 years old. And I was riding the bus home from school. And a couple of kids in my neighborhood, I lived in a really small neighborhood in Greensburg. There weren't too many kids around. And we kind of all worked on farms and, you know, just kind of sort of lived out in the country. And my friends were like, hey, we're going to get together and we're playing street hockey after we get off the bus and I was like okay you know and I, I played soccer for a couple of years I played basketball for a year and I, I played like t-ball and baseball when I was young and I never felt any connection to those sports and I, I just didn't enjoy it and I just remember you know I'd have already been watching Penguins games but the very first time I went and played street hockey with those kids I just immediately I got so excited and I remember running home and, and like telling my parents, I played hockey. I love hockey. It's so awesome. And basically the next year, um, seventh grade, my, my high school Latrobe had a, you know, had a hockey team and I basically went ice skating one time before signing up to play for the team. And so my first practice, I, I could basically barely skate, but I ended up playing, you know, all the way through high school and we, we, you know, we'd, we would, we would play in, you know, like we had a, a pond in our neighborhood that one of, one of our dads dug with a bulldozer and we would have that freeze over. So even when we weren't playing for our, our like actual high school or whatever, or traveling teams, we would, play in in the neighborhood and then in the summer my dad was a school teacher and he would take us up to the parking lot of his school because it's summer and nobody's there and we would we would play street hockey or like roller hockey for you know hours at so but yeah I feel like it was it was an interesting time because this is all happening the first year that I start playing is the first year that the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. And so it's literally like this perfect, you know, confluence of all these events happening at the same time in my life that revolved around hockey. So, you know, I'm on, on a team for the first time. 
this is the first time I'm feeling like, oh, I have friends in my neighborhood and we all like to do this one thing because before that I didn't really have, I, I didn't really have friends in the neighborhood. And so all of a sudden we're playing hockey anytime we get a chance and we're going to ice skating sessions anytime there's no practice. And then during the entire playoffs, all the neighborhood kids would get together to watch all of the games. And I remember very specifically that we all watched, um, you know, the final game against the North stars in my parents' living room. And there's probably like 15 kids or so. And I just remember us freaking out when they won and just totally lost our minds. And I remember we ran outside and we were like running around my driveway and for whatever reason, it was extremely cloudy that night and you couldn't see any stars. And we just thought that was hilarious that we just beat the North Stars and we just kept yelling, look, there's no stars in the sky. There's no stars in the sky. We're like running around in the running around in the yard. But yeah, it's crazy because at that point, I feel like, you know, that was like 1990, 91, 92. There was this sort of sense among people that I played hockey with that, you know, you're never going to make you're never going to make it to the NHL because nobody from Western Pennsylvania has ever become a, a pro hockey player. It's never happened before. So on one hand, you're thinking like, man, it would be so cool if I could, if I could grow up and, and live that dream. But it felt somewhat unattainable because, you know, you talk about representation and, and you don't see anybody who, who had done it yet at that point. But then of course, you know, fast forward a few years and, and you have Ryan Malone and then there's been, you know, so many players from the area now. And, and I, I think honestly, I really feel like it's Lemieux and then Yager are kind of like probably the, the two biggest reasons that a whole, a whole entire generation grew up and wanted to play hockey. And then of course, now you have uh, another generation or, or two that have, followed in that lineage and they grew up and wanted to be Crosby and Malkin and Flurry and whatever. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it makes me really happy to see that when I used to play, it was at that point, such an outlier sport and I would wear hockey jerseys to school and I would, I would literally get made fun of for it. And my high school basically acted like our team didn't exist. And then, you know, a few years ago, like Latrobe won, won States. And it's just cool to see like the, you know, it's just cool to see how much the sport has exploded in the Pittsburgh area and to see what it, what it is now. And to see that yeah, you could grow up in the area and, and you could be in the, in the NHL. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Going back and having you reminisce about the, the, your, the time that you spent in your youth, and, and I don't think your story is is uh, it's similar to I'm sure a lot of other young young kids growing up around that time who were witnessing the Penguins finally come into their stride for the first time in franchise history, like you said in '91, beating the North Stars. And it, it's awesome to hear you still you still talk with I could tell in it, by the tone of your voice that you still had you still had that hint of excitement in you that, that you had when you were a kid running home and telling your parents, Oh my God, I just played hockey for the first time. And having that, that love of the game go with you throughout the rest of your life to where you are now. And to see that you haven't, 
uh, you haven't really given up your fandom is is just a testament to, like you said, how the sport has really grown and exploded because of guys like Mario and Yager and now Crosby and Malkin for a younger generation. And I think that's just awesome to see because obviously hockey hasn't – hockey in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh really wasn't a traditional market until – uh, they came into the league in '67 with the expansion, so you're not getting the the you're not getting the kind of fan support or feedback you maybe would have gotten from a Montreal or a Toronto or another original six franchise. But it's awesome to hear that you know all these years later you still have that same sort of attachment to the sport and to the Penguins that you had all those years all those years ago. Those are some of my favorite memories, and for whatever reason nostalgia i have nostalgia about music from my childhood but in a way memories related to the penguins like going to you know the rally at at three river stadium after they won that first cup and not having to go to school that day and my mom can take me and my friends things like that i have in a way way more of a magical nostalgic feeling when i when i think about certain memories like you know watching you know, watching Mario split the defense on a that crazy breakaway goal or any any of those types of things to me hold this sort of magical kind of I have a hold a reverence for them in a way that, yeah, like you said, there's a there's a level of excitement and I don't know, I think as you get older it's important to try to hold on to to what makes you um you know, what makes you a kid and to not lose that and the Penguins and hockey have definitely done that for me, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. So let's fast forward a bit. Let's fast forward to let's fast forward to the 2020-2021 season. Last season, as we're currently talking, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in this this makeshift Eastern Division with t- teams like the Bruins and the Sabers that they wouldn't traditionally play in their own division. The Penguins end up winning their very difficult division. They finish first place. However, they go up against the New York Islanders for the second time in three years and are eliminated in the first round uh, again by the New York Islanders, continuing the theme that the Penguins have had for the last couple of seasons is early exits in the first round. So, Brett, I'm curious to get your thoughts on number one, what do you think went wrong? Do you think it was the goaltending, specifically Tristan Jari? Do you think it was the goaltending that cost the Penguins that series against the Islanders? And number two, where do you think the Penguins are now? Do you think the Penguins, in your estimation, are in a better spot now? Even though it is early in this current season, do you like what what, what additions the Penguins made in the offseason, even without Crosby and Malkin as they rehab from injury uh, do you like where they are heading into what is hopefully another long playoff run? Because let's let's be honest with each other, guys. I don't know how many more playoff runs we're going to get with this current core of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. So, Brett, uh, what were your thoughts on last year's disappointing playoff run, and what are your thoughts about the team so far this season? Well, I mean, definitely seeing the the first, you know, the the first round exit to the Islanders again was definitely disheartening, especially like you said, after them finishing first place. And it was for a while, there was starting to look really exciting again and and to see it fizzle in the way that it did. I, I'm not an expert 
in an, in any way to kind of try to say why I necessarily think that happened, but I think I do feel good. I I do feel good about where the team's at right now. And, and you know what, it's, it's interesting. And I guess I'll play devil's advocate to a degree, but I think that Pittsburgh has had Penguins fans in general have had such an embarrassment of riches as far as, um, you know, wonderful teams and star players that it might be hard to remember that there was a, there was an era not that long ago where, you know, the marquee players were like, was like Rico Fata. And there was a time period where you could go to games for a few years and there would be, maybe the arena would be half full if you're lucky. And it looked pretty bad for a long time there before we got Crosby. And so anytime that I'm feeling a little bit like, wow, this team has underperformed, you know, (laughs) they've only won what, you know, X amount of Stanley cups. We only have three with this core or whatever. You're like, then I think, you know what, this has really been pretty awesome. And we've been really lucky to be able to see the, the, the talent that we've had on this team and to see the core stick together as long as it has and and even the qualities of a lot of the humans on the team so i always try to always try to keep that in mind and what you know what you said definitely holds true it's like there's obviously staying healthy has always been an an issue for this team and obviously we're we're aging and as the core gets older you know the that that does seem like the window is closing but I, I try to, you know, always remember how how good we've had it as fans for quite a long time now. Right. You mentioned in pre-production a personal Mario story that you had, and I'm sure that um, our fan or our listeners or fans of the, the website would be absolutely enthralled to to hear that because we're always down for a good 66 story around here. Yeah, I had a. I'm trying to think of what year it was. It was after he. It was after he came back from retirement and have a friend, a friend who was a, a fan of the band who was really good friends with Dave Hannon, who of course is an ex penguin. And Dave was like, yeah, I want to bring some of the Juliana theory guys to, to a game and, you know, we'll, we'll catch a game and we'll sit in really good seats. And if, if things are going okay and the team wins, we'll take you to the locker room afterwards or whatever. And so I was like, yeah, this is great. So it was, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was the, it was like the Lemieux, Robert Lang, Martin Straka um, era. And I think if I'm not mistaken, might not have the stats exactly right, but I think, Mario had a goal and two assists or maybe a goal and three assists this night, but there was one goal that particularly stood out and ref drops the puck and Mario shoots like basically winds up like he's taking a slap shot at the point or I guess more of a snapshot. And before the puck even hits the ice, it's in the net and like I'd never seen anybody you see people score off a face off of course where it's like you win it back to a defenseman or whatever and they shoot it but I never seen 
somebody basically before the puck even hits the ice it's already in the net and it was amazing to watch and as soon as as soon as that happened Lemieux turns around and he points up to the stands or up to couldn't tell where exactly it looked like the, a press box or something and he points up to the points up to the top and and gives this interesting celebration and um you know i think we ended up winning like five to five to two or something not sure if i have this totally correct it's a bit blurry but so dave hannon's like okay the guys are in a good mood they won we're gonna go we're gonna go down to the locker room and hang out and of course i i had never been in the penguins locker room and at this point and I'm walking into the locker room and the first person I see as I'm walking in is Mark Madden and he comes out looks straight at me I don't know him he doesn't know me and he immediately goes to me listen kid I got some advice for you don't ever bet against Mario Lemieux that he can't do something that's one thing you should never do because I just bet him I bet him $10,000 that he could never score off a face-off. And you saw what he did tonight. So uh, so that's why he turned around to, uh, so he's pointing up at Mark Madden to be like, yo, dude, you owe me 10 grand. And so needless to say, Mario's in a good mood. So we, we go into the locker room and, you know, I get to meet all the players and I'm just kind of hanging out and talking to everybody. And uh, at I'm wearing wearing like kind of, slightly loud sort of bell-bottom pants that are like pinstripe not you know something that a lead singer in a band would wear to a penguin game but maybe not maybe not everybody else would wear and mario's like immediately like to me he's like hey man you're def you're uh you're definitely in a band because uh you know only a guy in a band would wear these pants and and uh just it was pretty funny and so one point he ends up giving me a stick that he um you know that he played with in the game and you know signed it to me and stuff and so it was just really it was just really one of my one of my favorite um penguins memories for sure and at that point in time i was just like couldn't believe it i i you know i remember because we stayed way late after the game hanging out in the locker room and i remember i walked walked across the street to the um to the hotel bar and um, John Staggerwald was in there and he's just sitting there and he's talking to me and he's like, Oh, I see you got Lemieux stick. And I was like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm never going to lose this thing. And I was just really pumped. And it was, it was just awesome to kind of the whole, the whole combination of the entire series of events from being told not to bet against Lemieux on something to uh, him joking about my pants and uh, getting, getting a stick and meeting the team. It was, it was awesome. I say I knew the um the Madden Lemieux story. Um, when you were telling it, I thought it was gonna be like one of those you never actually heard how it happened because I or what happened because I knew I heard Mark Madden tell the whole story and yeah he did have to. I think in the end he made a donation to the Lemieux Foundation as his payment for the bet. But uh, it's a great story and uh, it's just so ironic that you were there that night and you got to tell that story. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was great. It was great.
Folks, we will switch to our weekly mailbag segment here for first-time listeners or long-time listeners. If you're interested in contributing to the Pensburg Podcast mailbag, you can do so by following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week, we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. So uh, typically what we do here, since it's just Robbie and I, Robbie typically gets first crack at the mailbag this week, but... Brett, since you are our special guest here on the podcast, you are going to get first dibs on this week's first question in the mailbag segment. Uh, I'll read it to you, and you can go with the answer after I've finished reading. Brett, your question comes from Brian. Brian wants to know, have we ever seen a player fall off harder than former Penguins goaltender Matt Murray? The guy went from looking like the elite backup, the looking like the elite to backup level at best. Do you think the loss of Marc-Andre Fleury as guidance was that significant, or do you think Murray just cracked under pressure of being the number one goaltender? Hmm. Well, that's, you know, I've thought about this before, and first off, I kind of feel like there's no doubt in my mind that Matt Murray is a world-class athlete. You know, at the end of the day, He's won more Stanley Cups than, uh, you know, a lot of the great goaltenders. But I think performing at an extremely high level like professional athletes, and it's kind of not dissimilar to playing music professionally. You know, it's, it's, you have a certain set of physical skills you have to be able to keep up. And, you know, any any great pro athlete, you know, I feel, well, what I'm trying to say is I feel like Matt Murray, as far as physically, could stand toe-to-toe with almost any goaltender. However, staying at absolute peak performance as a star starting goaltender requires, I think, probably even more mental conditioning than it does physical conditioning. You know, you kind of get the sense, I've always said that, that, playing goal in the National Hockey League is probably the single most pressure of any position in any pro sport. And you hear all these stories all the time about how goaltenders are extra insane or have all these weird quirks and and habits. And so this is complete conjecture here, but I feel like there's no way for us to imagine what type of things Matt Murray could have been or could be dealing with personally. We don't know if, you know, he, for all we know, he struggles with um, depression or he, you know, has a, some type of conflict or family drama or just self doubt. But I feel like you look at him as an athlete and you look at his, his skill and it's very clear that, at any moment in time, he could snap back and become super world class again. But we we just don't know, you know, like what what's happening there mentally. Because, you know, you can look at somebody like Sid, and you'll hear story after story about like his insane self discipline and how he will spend an off season working on a skill that he hadn't mastered yet and suddenly he'll come back and he'll be like better than 
anybody a face-off or whatever it is. And I think that everybody that's a pro athlete has to be mentally disciplined, but that freakish level of like control of your mind where you're like, Sid is like this absolute hockey machine. I just suspect that Murray probably is a little bit more human like the rest of us and is probably more prone to ups and downs. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's easy to sit back and kind of say like, Oh man, that dude fell off. But the end of the day who knows who knows i i all i could say is that is not an enviable position and i get anxiety just thinking about being a a goaltender in net with like you know world-class player coming down on a breakaway or whatever and just the amount of pressure you have to do that so hopefully he hopefully he comes back and and is is amazing again and you know and and to the point about flurry that's who knows? Maybe that has something to do with it too. There is something, there is power to knowing that you have somebody you can lean on sometimes just when, you know, just from a pressure standpoint, knowing, Oh, if I'm having an off day, I got, I got Mark Andre Fleury right here and he can step in and, and win the Stanley cup himself. So who knows who, who knows what he was dealing with and what, so it's hard to say, but yeah, I hope he, I hope he comes back. We're still here with uh, Brett Detter of the Juliana theory. Uh, and uh, Brett, to your point, I completely agree with you. Uh, there's, there's certainly, you, you put, you put it, you put it well when you were saying there, there's certainly no more enviable position in all of sports, I think. And I agree with you that, than that being the starting goaltender of any team, let alone being the starting goaltender of the Pittsburgh Penguins, where Matt Murray was at the time, coming off the the back-to-back Stanley Cup wins in, in 16 and 17. He could have absolutely been dealing with some some personal demons or f- family drama at home, like you said. We will, we will just obviously never know, and nor should we know what he was going through. But to your point, now Murray with the Ottawa Senators, we wish him the best uh, as well as he is still working through with a very young Ottawa Senators team. I echo what you say, Brett. We hope Murray finds find some some I don't know if peace is the right word but definitely we wish him the best as a former Stanley Cup winning penguin netminder and hopefully he can find a way to bounce back with the Ottawa Senators. Uh Brett, we are running low on time. I just want to make sure before we get out of here, where can the people find you? Do you have anything that you'd like to have plugged whether it be your personal Twitter, I can plug the band's Twitter. Uh, what is going on with yourself and what is going on a theory right now? Well, Juliana theory is on tour. We just did play Pittsburgh the other night, but we are um, playing our record. Emotion is dead. That came out. It's a, was supposed to be a 20 year anniversary tour, but of course COVID made that a 21 year anniversary tour. So we're out playing that record. We have some new music out that you can find anywhere that you would listen to new music and there's more of that coming in the near future you can find me on twitter just at my name or instagram at my name brett detter um also what else i'm also a film composer and um i always have like i had a movie come out in theaters earlier this year and my next movie coming out that i did all the music for is it is a prequel to a horror movie from, I feel like 2009, that was um, called The Orphan. 
So there's a prequel to that coming out called Orphan First Kill. And I believe that will be out in theaters hopefully this year. I'm still waiting for Paramount to tell me exactly when it's coming out. But if you like that kind of thing and you follow my Twitter, I'll let you know when it's coming. So, yeah, the, the bands were, were back playing, having a lot of fun, you know, just really enjoying ourselves and feeling very blessed to be able to play songs this many years later that people still want to hear. So come say hi wherever. Brett, I think I can speak for Robbie here. I just want to say one last time, I want to thank you so much for for taking the time out of what is surely, uh, you listed off all of the things that you were doing, whether it was between film composing or playing, still playing with the Juliana Theory. You, you certainly sound like an incredibly, incredibly busy guy. So I want to thank you again for, for coming on the Pensburg Podcast and lending some of your insight and l- lending that awesome awesome little twist on that famous Mark Madden, Mario Lemieux story. So I really do appreciate you, you coming on and spending some time with us. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast for Robbie Noggle and for Brett Detter. Again, the lead singer of Pittsburgh's very own, the Juliana theory. I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Pensburg podcast. And we will talk to you guys next week.